Good morning. <clears throat> so we're gonna have a good interesting talk today. <clears throat> and I hope you appreciate it. First up is the degradation of uh, blacks once again by the Democratic Party. Let's get into it. Our talk radio live in 4K. Fair use. Notice they always get, let me just rewind that part right here. Notice they always get, you know, the masculine black woman. Okay, hold up. Hold up right here. Okay, let me see if I can get Trina's face right here. Yeah, they always get the masculine black woman. Okay. And um they will always get the effeminate alphabet soy boy black male right here to represent <clears throat> most, if not all, of black America. Okay. Let's just get one thing straight. All of black America is not poor, okay, a low income. Or it's like this, but they get these people here. But, it, you know, it is the same way with the right when they want to do commercials. They will always get a black person like Herschel Walker, who is uh, brain dead and docile. We're going to focus here. I'll be coming back to the Republicans, but I'm going to talk about this. This this right here is disgusting. And they always have to put it as if the only thing black men are driven by is sex. Black women and black men are driven by sex. That is it. Okay. Imagine if they did that with Latinas, okay? Or they did something with Jews, okay? That they, um, no voting or, you know, you're going back into the oven. Saying something really messed up, or you don't know voting, or you're going to the concentration camp. Imagine what Jews would say with that. Imagine what they would say. But you're going to pull this nonsense with black people. And then they're trying to use sex as a way to say, if you don't vote, you don't get sex. And they showing black men are just weak. That's it. They're just showing you we're weak. Oh, okay, we'll just go vote because I want to get sex. And it's just showing that that's all that is to get 
black people to vote, black men to vote. They're showing that black men are weak and it, and it's just sex that drives us 24 <laughs> she too and she's old as heck doing this and this is what she's putting towards the youth okay this is what she's putting towards the youth okay mind you i think that there was an issue with her going out with a basketball player all right and there was a domestic dv situation Okay, but that was years ago where there was no real internet, and um, he left her. This is why Malcolm X was talking about entertainers that you can't let them speak for people for you, especially black people. No, you don't have other ethnic groups having entertainers speak for them, okay. And if they did, you know, people didn't take them seriously. But this is the this is the white supremacy here. All right. You had get your booty to the pole, which I think was even worse. Get your booty to the pole was just blatantly like that was horrible. And the sad thing is I had a conversation with a black man about it and he said he agreed with it. I was like, what? And this black man had a daughter. That this is what they're putting out there. This is what they're putting out there. All right. This is what they're putting out there for black people. All right. And it, and it, it doesn't show black people who are intelligent, it doesn't show black people who are doctors, lawyers, nurses. No, you show a degenerate. That's who represents us. Black people need to stay out this election. <clears throat> stay out the election. Okay? Don't vote Republican either because Republicans don't want to give you anything for your vote. They just say, vote for us. And if you ask for anything, they say, lift yourself up by your bootstraps. Okay? And, um, You'll have blacks on the Republican Party saying, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, they're right. They're right. Basically, they're telling you it's OK to give you some give the Republicans things without asking any tangibles in return, which is stupid. <coughs> Not even the Democrats do that. You're going to let, you know. A party that claims to be there for you to take your vote but when you ask for tangibles they're not willing to give you anything you ask for tangibles first if they're not willing to give you nothing no rep no reparations nothing don't vote republican and it's sad that these people who took this on they couldn't see that 
Why couldn't you make something about reparations? Don't vote. If they ain't giving you no reparations, don't vote. They couldn't do that for themselves. They couldn't think about that. But this is the thing. They're slaves to the industry. Industry slaves. Slavery never left. You're starting to see it now. Slavery never left. Okay? Left or right, it's a plantation. And you don't have to vote for either side. You do not have to do that. Sad as hell, man. Sad as hell. All right. Let's go on to this next story. Hold up, hold up. Yeah, Ukrainians are sore losers when it comes to this, uh, you know, Putin getting um, 15% of Ukraine. This is what the Ukrainian government is doing. We're hunting them down, shooting them like pigs. How the Ukrainians are taking brutal revenge on collaborators who betrayed their neighbors and country to the Russians. Woo! It is not, it is not. This, this is, this is hard, man. This is harsh. They, they ain't playing, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Toastmaster blown up in car, chicken farm. Um, chicken farm guard in prison, sausage seller turned trader, stooge poised by his new chef. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Interrogations were carried by officials from Russian of- <clears throat> officials from Russia's Federal Security Service, according to documents retrieved after the town's recapture last month during Ukraine's stunning counteroffensive. Yet the interrogators were helped by local stooges such as Oleg. Kalada, the jobless, jobless former head of security at a chicken farm who found himself elevated chief of police after agreeing to serve as Kremlin henchman. The horror stories emerged in liberated towns such as Balaklia, a railway hub of 30,000 people, have become hideously familiar in the recent months of Russia atrocities, mass graves, tortures, and war crimes. Yet, the uncomfortable truth is that some Ukrainians have been assisting Vladimir Putin's war crimes and theft of their land. Yeah, this is how they're trying to spin it. <clears throat> That's how they're trying to spin it, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, definitely trying to spin it that way. They're definitely trying to spin it this way. Recent fatalities include Ivan Sheshko, a wedding toastmaster appointed mayor of the town in Zabozinia region, who died in August after a car after his car was blown up. Yeah, these people are real sore losers, man. They don't care. They angry. Kiev has already opened up opened investigations into 1,309 suspected traitors and launched 450 prosecutions of collaborators accused of betraying their own nation and neighbors. Others are being tracked down and slaughtered by by resistance fighters. A list passed to this newspaper by a Kiev government source identifies 29 such retribution killings with 13 more assassination attempts that left some targets wounded. A hunt has been declared on collaborators and their life is not protected by law, said Anton Gereshesko, a advisor to the Interior Ministry. 
Our intelligence services are eliminating them, shooting them like pigs. These loathed losers, the term used by one Ukrainian government minister, saw Russia occupation as a chance to grab power, money, and status. Among those handed keys, key posts are a... Hmm, are they saying this? Is this really true that they're a pedophile? A wedding toastmaster and a street cleaner found talking to stones. Uh-huh. In Vlashishka, a town in southern Ukraine, Natalia Romanchenko, a former actress who sells dumplings and sauces online, became Putin's pasty mayor. A single mother who posts pictures on social media of her two young sons in Soviet military uniform. Another town, a crime boss used as a Kremlin propagandist on state television, was being lined up as mayor. Yeah, they're they're mad, man. They're big mad. They do not, they want Ukrainian to be Nazi, full Nazi country. That's it. Nazi country. That's it. Collaborators in the Kharkiv Kharkiv region abandoned their posts when Ukrainian forces advanced last month. They tried to flee to Russia, but the Russians did not let them in, said one prosecutor involved in hunting them down. Typical of their their sort was Khalida, who was strutted around Balakia as police chief during Moscow's occupation before he was caught by Ukrainian security forces attempted to escape back into Russian-held terrain. 48-year-old was a former police officer, yet he seems to have struggled to find work since his previous job heading security at a poultry farm ended three years ago, according to documents found after his capture. Local officials told Ukrainian journalists his collaborated on his own will and was rewarded by the Russians with rank of general. He now faces 15 years for tre- in prison for treason. <clears throat> Galadia's wife, who worked on a fire service hotline, was also reportedly a collaborator, although she evaded capture. Others told of torment endured during Galadia's reign as a police chief, which included a man's ear being sliced off and another dying after a vicious beating. The tortures were all different, said Sergei Balanov, lead investigator for police in Karagov region. I won't describe them all, but the lightest was being tortured with electricity. One man held in Balkhir police station told guards switched off the noisy ventilation system so everyone could hear the screams of pain from the people in his giving electric shocks. Little wonder there is a deep anger and bitterness towards collaborators. Such atrocities have shattered any residual sympathy for Russia in the border regions of Ukraine. Another allegation, uh, alleged collaborators is Dmitry Shergal, 45, a gangster, faces charges of kidnapping and beating up hostages in eastern Ukraine. He was released on bail for after paying 120000 just six days before the invasion. He's accused of putting up the Russian flag when Putin's troop, troops arrived, then providing food for enemy forces, secretly passing on names of law enforcement officials and trying to oust the detained mayor so that he could replace him. <clears throat> wow. I thought Ukraine was a, uh, I thought Ukraine was a, a place of uh, democracy. It's not the place where you uh, kill journalists and bully people who don't want to be under Nazi rule. Hmm. That's sad. So sad. You can read the rest on DailyMail.com. I'm going to keep going. 
All right. So, um, this is something that's really wild here with Ukraine. Okay. Um, this is how they see they want to uh, deal with Russia's uh, nuclear weapons stance. This is how they want to deal with it. And um, I remember when I was talking about uh, Wayne Brady, not Wayne Brady, I'm sorry, Tom Brady and his wife being a witch and people lost their minds. Okay. And how the fact that she depends, I mean, he depends on her to win his games. And you may be asking why, okay, why are, why, why am I saying that? Well, because she's a witch and believe it or not, magic is real. Otherwise, why would the Ukrainians respond to Putin's threats of nuclear weapons by organizing an orgy? Sex magic. Not saying about his wife doing sex, but I'm saying about magic, period. There's a reason why they're doing this stuff. Okay? Ukrainians respond to Putin's threats of nuclear weapons by organizing an orgy. More than 15,000 are planning to take part in a mass sex party on a hill if Russia, Russian president decides to reach for the red button with participants even ask if they prefer anal or oral, oral pleasure. Don't believe me? You can check this out on the New York Post as well. More than 150,000 Randy Ukrainians are literally planned to go out with a bang in the event of a nuclear attack on their country. That is the number of people who have signed up to an online invitation on Telegram messaging to ser- messaging service to join an orgy on a hill outside Kiev if Vladimir Putin reaches for the red button. The mass sex party would take place at Sikivasta, and those attending would be invited to decorate their hands with stripes to donate their carnal preferences. Three stripes would be for anal sex enthusiasts, and four stripes would be for oral sex fans. Organizers have also posted the following claim online. They say that all the apartments with a view of Silvesta have for some reason disappeared from real estate sites. Weird crap. Explaining how the plan um, autonomizes the Ukrainian spirit, a local woman told Radio Free Europe it's the opposite of despair. Even in a worst case scenario, people will flock for something good. That's the mega optimism of Ukrainians. No, this is just depravity. A man added, it's an attempt to show that the more they try to scare us, the more we will transform into something else. Right. When an air raid siren was sounded last week, one member of the orgy group even posted, excitingly, it is time, with a smiley face, a comment that received just under 600 smiley face responses. In Kyiv, meanwhile, the preparations are being made for if Putin does order a nuclear blast with chemists stocking radiation pills as they are in neighboring countries like Poland. Cyprus is more further afield, but reports are suggesting that residents on the Mediterranean island are concerned that the country's pharmacists do not stock iodine pills and only have dietary iodine supplements available, which offer no protection in case of a nuclear event. And earlier this week, the Times claimed that NATO has warned its members' countries that Putin 
who conduct a nuclear test on Ukrainian borders. None of this is dampening the odor of the of the Telegram group, though, and a splinter faction are now planning to separate a separate orgy on Davidska Street in Odessa. Tesla chief Elon Musk will not be welcome at either. However, having made suggestions on how the Russian invasion could be ended that upset Ukrainians and their president, Vladimir Zelensky. Yeah, this... this, this. Ah, like I said, man. Like I said, this this is what they're going. This is what they're doing, man. This is what they're doing. Okay, and these people, they are people gonna look at me funny, but hey, they they are Satanists. I mean, you can see my last live streams. They show one where they have a pentagram. All right, covering a table. Okay, clips from Ukraine. These people are not. Uh, are not all the way there. All right, they're, they're they're nuts. They've had protests where they have covered themselves with blood. All right, hey, these people they're doing something. The orgy on sketch. I can't even pronounce that word. Group responded by posting official statements. As of today, Elon Musk is a persona of non grata in Skaskaviska. I don't know why he's a Nazi supporter just like you. All right. That's where the article ends. Crazy as it is, man. Crazy as it is. All right. But just to prove that, uh, you know, um, not something I'm. Not some joke. Um, it's on the New York Post as well. Let me let me get it out here. I'll show you guys right here. Got the article. Let me show you right here. See. Ukrainians plan a apocalyptic orgy in the event of Putin launching nuke. All right. I'll read this story. Ukrainians fearing that the Russian President Vladimir Putin may unleash a nuke have organized another big bang, a wild sex party in the event that the warmongers' threats become reality. Why would they plan this? A nuclear threat? You should be gearing up for war. Something like that. You're having a sex party. Possibly practicing sex magic. And the logical thing. More than 15,000 people have signed up for the orgy on, can't pronounce that word, official, a mass romp set on the Telegram group. The event Putin has launched a nuclear blast. Vice, Vice News reported. The would-be participants in the carnival extravaganza on a hill outside the capital of Kiev have been instructed to adorn their hands with stripes to bespeak to specify what activities they're interested in, according to the news outlet. Those into anal sex were told to draw three stripes, while revealers, revelers into oral variety may display four. It's the opposite of despair. Even the worst case scenario, people will look for something good. That's the mega optimism of Ukrainians, one woman reportedly told Radio Free Europe about the orgy. Yeah, 
this is stupid. Okay. Participants were instructed to use stripes on their hands to specify the kind, what kind of sex that they're interested in. Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. It's an attempt to show that the more they try to scare us, the more we'll transform into something else. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. The Telegram channel has also posted updates on the ongoing war, describing the counteroffensive efforts in the city of Kherson as BDSM parties for Russians. What? Uh, air raid siren last week prompted one eager member of the orgy group to post, is it time? Hundreds of responded with smiley face emojis. Meanwhile, similar groups have popped up, including one announcing an orgy on the breast the Gary Baviska Street in Odessa, hoping many will come, Vice reported. Putin is feared to be planning a nuclear test on the border with Ukraine, while officials in Kyiv are already handing out potassium iodine pills to protect against the possible nuke strike. So there you go. Wasn't lying. All right. Okay. Let's go on to something else now. All right. Let's check this one out. Um, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is tough, but this is all right. Here we are. This is sad what is happening. More kids dying in Africa. says the death of dozens of children from acute kidney injuries in the Gambia may be linked to contaminated cough and cold syrups. The WHO's announcement followed tests on several medicinal syrups manufactured by an Indian drug company. The alert covers four products, namely COVID basin, oral solution, COVID mailing baby cough syrup, makeup baby cough syrup, and in cold syrup. The manufacturer, Maiden Pharmaceutical, has said that they're trying to find out from the buyer what happened with syrup exported to the Gambia. According to the WHO lab, analysis confirmed unacceptable amounts of diethylene glycol and ethylene glycol, which can be toxic and can lead to acute kidney injury. It is feared the products may have been distributed elsewhere through informal markets. WHO has today issued a medical product alert for four contaminated medicines identified in the Gambia that have been potentially linked with acute kidney injuries and 66 deaths among children. The four medicines are cough and cold syrups, 
produced by Maiden Pharmaceuticals Limited in India. WHO is conducting further investigation with the company and regulatory authorities in India. WHO recommends all countries detect and remove these products from circulation to prevent further harm to patients. Well, for more on this story, we're joined by Mumudu Namin Choi, a journalist based in Banjul. He joins us live via Skype. Hi there, Mumudu. What, what's been the reaction there to that announcement by the World Health Organization? Thank you very much. Uh, this is a very new development as the from the World Health Organization. The reaction uh, hasn't gone that far because uh, it came uh, Later during the day, in the evening, when most of the uh, newspapers and uh, television channels, they were the broadcasting, uh, you know, companies have already, you know, done their news program. So the newspaper coverage, or the television uh, coverage of that development from the World Health Organization uh, has not yet gone viral to an extent that people might uh, be aware and be dominating the conversation. But we've also been seeing reaction on social media, people grabbing uh, it as uh, something that is unfortunate, that is uh, heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, authorities uh, also must do further investigations to ensure that those found you know, to be liable for what has happened to be, you know, to be held accountable. So, thus far, there hasn't been much reaction uh, due to the fact that uh, the coverage of the development of the World Health Organization are you hearing anything from affected families regarding the course of action that they might want to take in light of what the WHO has said? Yes, families have not yet come out to speak. Uh, we haven't uh, heard from any victim family coming out to uh, react to the World Health Organization's uh, findings because as I indicated in the beginning of this interview, you will realize that uh, the news has not yet uh, gone uh, viral. And, you know, you look at the access of the media also uh, in the country here, some of those families that have been affected in the West Coast region, rural areas before the uh, news reaches them, we're expecting that today. And uh, from there, that will inspire or trigger uh, any reaction from victim families. But as long as uh, things are going on now, the newspaper coverage is trying to inform everyone about the development from World Health Organization. Nothing has been said so far from affected families. So now the Gambia's Director of Health Services has said that similar problems have been detected in other syrups. Tell us more and especially speak to us about whether more people know about this information to be on the alert about these syrups. Yes, uh, the Director of Health Services is one of the uh, officials of the Ministry of Health who I have spoken to uh, this morning. And his reaction has been, well, uh, there have been some investigations. The Ministry of Health, in collaboration with WHO, we also have seen the uh, CDC, uh, uh, America's uh, Center for Disease Control, who have arrived in Banjul here. So various partners of the Ministry of Health are working to ensure that at least investigations uh, will come out as to what uh, the possible causes are. But the key message is that uh, the toxicology uh, results, the toxicology analysis that have been done in Ghana, in Senegal, have turned out uh, to indicate that 
which have been, you know, the presence of uh, in this, uh, you know, syrup that have been identified by the WHO, which could be linked to the death of children. So this is the key message that the Minister of Health is, you know, is giving out. And they are not ruling out other possible causes. They're not ruling out uh, the fact that uh, perhaps it might have been, uh, you know, caused by bacteria. It might have been caused by other, you know, other factors. Uh, apart from the fact that this is what has been uh, obtained from the World Health Organization. We're also hearing we're also hearing that the number of deaths have increased since the last time we spoke. Can you give us an update on that? Yeah. Uh, this this uh, the injury which has been affecting children, the mortality rate is so high. Uh, between 80 to 90 percent of children who tested positive for it uh, have lost their life. Uh, now we have received an official figure of 66 Six children have so far lost their lives while others are in critical condition receiving treatment. India made cough syrup <clears throat> may be tied to the 66 deaths in Gambia, the WHO. The WHO has also issued a medical report alert asking regulators to remove maiden, maiden pharma goods from the market. The deaths of dozens of children in the Gambia from kidney injuries may be linked to the contaminated cough and cold syrups made by an Indian drug manufacturer, the World Health Organization said on Wednesday. WHO Director General Tedros Alhanan Ghebreyes told reporters that the UN agency was conducting an investigation along with Indian regulators and the drug maker, New Delhi-based Maiden Pharmaceuticals Ltd. Maiden Pharma declined to comment on the alert while calls and Reuters messages to the Drug Controller General of India what unanswered. The Gambia and India's health ministry also did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Who also issued a medical product alert asking regulators to remove maiden products from the market. The products may have been distributed elsewhere through informal markets but had so far only identified in the Gambia. The WHO said in its alerts. The alert covers four products Parmethazine oral solution, cofexmaline baby cough syrup, make-off baby cough syrup, and mag magrip and cold syrup. Lab analysis confirmed unacceptable amounts of diethene glycol and euthylene glycol, which can be toxic when consumed. The WHO said the Gambia government said last month it has also been investigating the deaths as a spike in increased cases of acute kidney injury among children under the age of five was detected in late July. Medical officers in the Gambia raised the alarm in July after several children began falling ill with kidney problems three to five days after taking a locally sold pharmaceutical syrup. By August 28th, by August, I'm sorry, 28 had died, but health authorities said the toll would be like would likely rise. Now 66 are dead, who said on Wednesday. The deaths have shaken the tiny West African nation which is already dealing with multiple health emergencies, including measles and malaria. Maiden Pharmaceutical manufactures medicines at its facilities in India, which it then sells domestically, 
as well as exporting into countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, according to its website. You know what they did in China when they found a man who was taking bribes and he was the minister of health and people were dying overseas? You know what they did to that man? You know what they did? They put him to death. Okay? They put him to death. They executed him. You need to find out who's in charge of this, who knew about this, and they have to face stiff penalties for this. But I won't hold my breath if that's going to actually happen because, you know, this is Africa and barely anybody cares about blacks in Africa. That's the truth. That is the honest to God truth when it comes to these issues. All right. But uh, moving on. FBI chief was found dead after exposing sickening truth about the elite. FBI director in recent FBI directors in recent times have been established figures who go to great lengths to protect the elite and suppress the truth. Think about James Comley, who twisted himself in knots to protect Hillary Clinton from prosecution, and Robert Mueller and his Russian collusion witch hunt. Okay, fair use what I'm about to go into. Right, fair use. Our talk radio live in 4K. One second. Uh, hold on a minute. FBI directors in recent times have been establishment figures who go to great lengths to protect the elite and suppress the truth. Think about James Comey, who twisted himself in knots to protect Hillary Clinton from prosecution, and Robert Mueller and his Russian collusion witch hunt. So it probably comes as a great surprise to learn that FBI chiefs weren't always deep state goons. What if I told you there was an FBI chief who, before his death in 2011, blew the whistle on Satanism in the CIA, the Illuminati, lead pedophile rings and more, and who took his message directly to the people before he was cruelly cut down before his time. Meet Ted Gunderson, FBI special agent in charge and head of the Los Angeles FBI. In December 1951, Gunderson joined the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover. He served in Mobile, Knoxville, New York City, and Albuquerque offices. He was a young and respected agent. In 1973, he became the head of the Memphis FBI office, and in 1975, became head of the Dallas FBI office. In 1977, Gunderson was appointed head of the Los Angeles FBI. In short, Gunderson had been around the block, and in 1979, he was one of a select handful interviewed for the job of FBI director, which ultimately went to William H. Webster. After his decorated career with the Bureau, Gunderson retired and began giving presentations across the country, speaking directly to the people. This is when things became really interesting. These mind-blowing presentations introduced thousands of people to the reality of what was going on behind the scenes in the corridors of power. The former FBI chief was responsible for opening thousands of minds, educating ordinary people about false flag terrorism, 
satanic ritual abuse, MKUltra mind control, and chemtrails. Unsurprisingly, Gunderson died suddenly and unexpectedly not long after he began blowing the whistle on the darkest secrets of the elite. There are many people close to Gunderson who say he was killed by the elite to shut him up. Watch this. Uh, I want to make it very clear in the beginning, I'm not anti-government. I don't believe in terrorism. And I want to make it especially clear that there are a lot of good people in the FBI and the CIA, Naval Intelligence, Army Intelligence, Military Intelligence, NSA. Unfortunately, there are a few key people in key positions who have made a difference, a big difference, in what's happening in America today. So, looking back, my personal experiences, I retired from the FBI March 1979. At that time, I was in charge of the FBI Los Angeles Division. I had more than 700 personnel under my command. The Attorney General of the United States, Griffin Bell, asked me after I retired if I'd coordinate security for the Pan American Games. I did. I was a consultant in the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. I was a consultant for former Governor Jerry Brown, California, California Narcotic Authority. So I do have credentials. My first major and credibility, believe me. If you read the internet, you may not think so because there are some heavy-duty FBI informants out there like Stu Webb and Barbara Hartwell, who are MKUltra mind control victims, CIA mind control victims, who are making all kinds of disparaging remarks about me. But I don't want to deal with those people because if you read their material, you'll see that it's designed to discredit people like me, former state senator John DeCamp, and other leaders who are trying our best to expose what's happening in America today and actually around the world. Let's go back to 1776, May the 1st. Adam Weishoff was commissioned by the Rothschild family to set up the goals to control and take over the world with a one world government. Adam Weishoff came up with 25 goals. Among these goals were control the press, corrupt the youth through sex and drugs, elect our own people, our own people meaning the Illuminati, to keep positions in all... That sound familiar to you? Control the press, control the youth with sex and drugs? What's happening now? Just saying. Ain't nothing new under the sun. All levels of the government, city, county, state, and federal. And it goes on. The final goal was to take over the world, the one world government. Information is very well documented by William Guy Carr in his magazine, his book, excuse me, Pawns in the Game. When I retired, I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea about Illuminati. I had no idea about Adam Weissoff. However, my first major investigation when I returned from Puerto Rico 
was a Dr. Jeffrey R. McDonald case. He's a former Green Beret doctor who was convicted of murdering his wife and two children at Fort Bragg, February 17, 1970. He'd been tried and convicted, sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. I was asked by the defense team to investigate the case because they claimed that Dr. McDonald was innocent. I said I would, but if I learned that he murdered his wife and two children, I would discontinue my investigation and no longer become involved. I want you to know I'm still working for Dr. McDonald. He is an innocent man. Now, once I became involved in the case, I had to read everything, and I learned that evidence was lost, evidence was stolen, evidence was altered, and FBI agent Paul Stombaugh lied before the grand jury, and most important of all, Colette, the wife, had skin where she had fought off the assailants under her fingernails. That skin was handed over to William F. Ivory, the chief investigator for the Army, and it has disappeared. Ten months into the case, October 25, 1980, I, through a series of circumstances, I don't have time to go into the details now, obtained a signed confession from one Helena Stokely. I had three sessions with her, 10 days each, total of 30 days. Helena told me that Dr. McDonald did not commit those crimes, that they were committed by her satanic cult group. And I said to myself, what's this all about? I don't know anything about Satanism. I read about it in the Bible, of course, and that's about it. But as I delved into the case, I learned that drugs from Southeast Asia were being flown into the United States to various military bases in plastic bags in the bodies of the dead GIs. I further learned from Helena that her satanic oak group was involved in distributing these drugs up and down the East Coast. They were mad at Dr. McDonald because he was abusive to the cults, cult members and the GIs who went to the civilian hospital where he was moonlighting for relief of some sort. They went in and attacked him that night. There were a total of seven involved in the crime. She named them all for me. Right now, today, I know where some of them are located. But to further check and document this, I went to the UCLA library and I found out, in fact, in the Time Magazine, January 1, 1973, there was an article about bringing drugs, plastic bags, body cavities, and dead GIs. There was no question in my mind Helena was telling the truth. I gave her a polygraph test, and she passed. I had her examined by a psychiatrist, and she passed. And as a matter of fact, the government themselves had given her a polygraph examination early in their investigation before I entered the case. And Brizantine, the Army polygraph operator, said that she thought that she was telling the truth. She thought she was there that night. Now, the most recent series of events on the McDonald case. Now, I'm telling you a little bit about the, about the McDonald case because that's what woke me up as to what was going on. It was after that that I started.
started researching and went back and found out about the Illuminati. Illuminati slash Satanism. It was after that uh, that uh, I learned considerable more about what was going on. And the most recent information, Dr. McDonald, who's been in the penitentiary for some 25 or 26 years now, appeared before a parole board just two days ago, his first that he's ever appeared before a parole board. And the reason he had never appeared before is because, in his opinion, had he appeared before, it would be an admission of guilt. In this particular instance, he still claimed he was innocent, but he did appear before the board because a newly wed individual with a woman named Kathy. And of course, if you read the papers in the last two days, his parole was turned down and the parole board made him eligible for another hearing in 15 years. This poor man not only lost his wife and two children, he has served 25 years in the penitentiary and another 15 years to go. He's 61 years old. I'm still working the case. For the latest developments on the case, in 1997, the judge, federal judge, agreed to do a DNA test. And they, they chose 15 individual pieces of evidence to be examined. However, the judge said that when you open the evidence envelopes, only the prosecutor can be present. Well, they opened the evidence envelopes. The prosecutor did. How many do you think were empty? Five. Five evidence envelopes were empty. The skin under Colette's fingernails would have established Dr. McDonald's innocence alone. Now we have DNA authorized 1997. Here we are in 2005. They still have not completed the DNA test. From the McDonald case, the next case I worked of a major consequence was the McMartin preschool case in Manhattan Beach, California. The children there claimed there were tunnels under the school. They were taken into the tunnels and through the tunnels up into the trap door of a bathroom in the triplex next door, placed in automobiles and prostituted in the community. These are two, three, and four-year-old children before they entered kindergarten. In addition, the children claimed that they were flown into the mountains where they were involved with adults in robes, black robes. All right, so you can listen to the rest on your own. Um, you don't have to search it for yourself. Uh, that's what I'm going to say. Moving on. <clears throat> it's sad, but this is what's going on in our country. We are missing kids, dozens of them, every year. Every year, we are missing dozens, thousands of them, every year. Just look about, look at, uh, you know, a few years ago, okay, when you had these immigrants, this influx of Im illegal immigrants coming, all right, from south of the border, and the kids are missing. You can't find the kids. What could possibly be the reason? I'll tell you what could be the reason. They were sacrificed. 
All right. Okay, so um, going on to the next story right now. Dealing with, uh, they're moving all these illegal immigrants with their tents, and guess where they're moving them in New York City? Guess where they are moving them? Let's get into it. Unbelievable. City's new plan announced late tonight to move the asylum seekers from Orchard Beach in the Bronx to Randall's Island. More controversy as the biggest sanctuary city in the country tries to welcome the migrants. I was news reporter Josh Einiger with the story and the breaking news. He's live at Randall's for us. Josh. Well, Bill, I'm in this basically desolate strip of asphalt that's outside of Icon Stadium. Let's show you a wider view. This is the area under the Triborough Bridge uh, approach heading to and from Queens here. And it is this area, the city says, will become this tent city that's become so controversial that we'll be moving from Orchard Beach. We could show you video from earlier uh, today. This tent city has become a magnet for protests, for anti-immigration protests, and for people from City Island a couple miles away who are concerned uh, about the migrants the city plans to house at that facility. It's part of the city's effort, really relentless effort, they say, in the face of this relentless onslaught of migrants, 16,000 so far over the last uh, couple of months, bust up primarily from Texas, uh, who have been seeking asylum and are in this country legally waiting for asylum. It has become a lightning rod for controversy. And one of the issues is that uh, the Orchard Beach location that the mayor has been pushing and that has been set up is in a low-lying area prone to flooding. Uh, the mayor uh, just the tonight put out a statement saying that this area here in Randall's Island is more environmentally safe for the migrants, and so they are moving the whole operation here. He seemed to preview this announcement earlier today. Well, we want to get it right, and you know, we are not going to be afraid to try different things to solve these unprecedented um, problems that we're facing in the city. One of the most important terms is pivot and shift. If we're going to pivot and shift, uh, to solve these problems. There's not a one-size-fits-all on problems that we've never faced before. And now they have uh, solved a problem with that before and sort of made a change to this before migrants even moved into Orchard Beach. You're looking at the bottom of this approach to the Triborough Bridge. This is going to be the area where all of those tents will end up being relocated. They will stop work setting them up at Orchard Beach and for the next week or two we'll work on setting them up here. This should be able to fit 500 migrants at a time, which is about half what they were planning to house at Orchard Beach. We'll have more throughout the day tomorrow on the plan as it develops. For now, we'll... Okay, my thing is this, right? When you house them, in Randall's Island, where are you going to have your festivals? Where are you going to have your musicians play? I want to know that. Where are you? What are you going to do about that? Because you're cutting on you're cutting on the uh, 
the music scene now. You're cutting into the music scene. I want to know where you're going to have musicians play in public now. Because when you do that, you're cutting into people's money. I wonder how that's going to work out. Okay. That's all I got to say, because this, this is not looking good at all. But apparently, you know, <laughs> who knows? This may have uh, woken up AOC. Let's see what she has to say about this. Because apparently she's uh, she's not too happy. This is why. Democrats love the idea of illegal immigrants. They love the idea of them being in the shadows. But then when they're actually confronted with it and they have to explain it to their constituents, why their shelters and their cities and their communities are being overrun, then suddenly they want to make the problem go away. Strong words there from Fox News host Tommy Lahren calling out Democrats for their stance on the border. She called out the left for loving the idea of illegal immigrants until they're actually confronted with a crisis on their doorstep. This comes after the fact that New York City Mayor Eric Adams had planned to set up a migrant centre in the Bronx District to accommodate an influx of illegal immigrants in the area. The district was the one in which the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez represents. But when confronted with that problem-solving idea, AOC said that she thought there was a better solution available. I agree with them. There is a humanitarian crisis going on, and a lot of it's going on at our southern border where these migrants, these illegal immigrants are coming in. So maybe, maybe we are getting to the point, and I don't want to be overly optimistic, but maybe we are getting to the point where Democrats are finally going to start looking at the Biden administration, and they're going to say, we need an actual solution because we're being inundated, we are being overrun, the border cities and states are being inundated, and now these sanctuary cities are being inundated. Everything sounds good on paper and in a tweet until you have to deal with it in real life. AOC is finding that out. These Democrat mayors are finding it out. And I hope to goodness pretty soon the Biden administration is going to find that one out too. Maybe it'll be November, but we're hoping for a, a soon uh, realization. Now, AOC's comments about finding a better solution has not gone down well for her. She has been an avid fighter for immigrant rights. Some social media users were angry over the comments. One person attached this photo and tweeted, AOC is upset because a tent city is being built in her district to house illegals. Not in my district. Wasn't she the one crying at the border about how migrants were being treated? Another wrote, Mayor Adams will move tents for illegal aliens from Bronx after AOC throws a fit, copying her wealthy friends in Martha's Vineyard. As soon as the illegal aliens appear in public, out from the shadows, the Democratic Party shows its true racist and elitist colours. Suddenly unwoke. AOC wants 10 city for illegal aliens moved out of her district, another wrote. Finally, the political pleasantries didn't last long. AOC rips Mayor Adams's migrant tents in her district. We can get to a place with a better solution. That's how they're like, you know. They don't really care about the solution until it's at their doorstep. That's basically how many of these uh, liberals act when it comes to that, okay? When it came to defund the police. <clears throat> they were all for it until it came to their doorstep. And now they have to hire private security 
and they have to be for the police. They had to reinstate the police. They had to give back funding to the police. That's what they're like, okay? That's why you have uh, Greg Abbott. He's just busting them all back all over to uh, liberal states now because he wants to protect his state. The situation at the southern border of Texas is critical. The country is experiencing record high numbers of illegal immigrants crossing into the United States. So far in the 2022 fiscal year, Border Patrol agents have encountered 2.1 million migrants, and that's just the number of those they've seen. It has been one of the big political issues for the country for years, but in the last few years, the numbers have soared. States like Texas, which borders Mexico, have bared the brunt of immigrants flocking to the area from Central and South American countries. Republican leaders from Texas, Arizona, Florida, which doesn't even border Mexico, have begun busing migrants to Democratic states. These include New York, Washington, Chicago, Sacramento in California, and even Martha's Vineyard, which is an upmarket holiday destination for the elite in Massachusetts. Critics believe that those leaders misled migrants into believing that they were being taken there for a better life, but in actuality were being used for a political stunt. When Florida Governor Ron DeSantis paid for 50 illegal immigrants to be taken to Martha's Vineyard last month, it created a lot of controversy. He was slammed for the inhumane treatment of migrants. However, Democrats were criticized for ignoring the fact that the border has seen 2 million migrants at its doorstep in 2022 alone. Latina Democrat Gloria Romero called out her own party for its reaction at the time. So here we are facing a border that has not been secured for quite some time. Over 2 million uh, migrants coming through and it took only 50 brown people showing up in one of the most exclusive democratic enclaves without why do you have to call them brown people what just call them immigrants that's it why do you have to make i don't like this i don't know I, I don't like when people come up with these terms man they're just human beings immigrants blowers and without mops for it to be declared a national emergency and to get the media focused on this it's absolutely hypocritical that's how they're going, man. That is how they are. All right. Okay. It's, uh, this is going to be an interesting year. That's what I could tell you. It's going to be a very interesting year. What's going down? What, what is, uh, being put out there all right because life is going to be very interesting in 2023 and i got something else to show you since we're talking about immigrants Like, this isn't just a natural sleep. They are, they are out. No, no, no. You look, they're sedated. They are 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 s
Um, um, so this is what we're telling you. A lot of times, these children don't belong to some of these people. Okay. This is human trafficking. This is they're not even reacting, huh? See how they don't react? Their pupils don't even react to the bright light in the face. Now, these, these kids are drugs. ¿Qué le dieron a los niños? Guys, this is really a reality. This is actually the United States right now. This is a third world country. This is the United States, and unfortunately, our law enforcement agencies are out here assisting and abetting in the and the child trafficking trade, guys. Absolutely, there's like no way. That you can call me a conspiracy theorist. There's no way that you can say that we're making shit up. We're out here, guys, living this day after day. Y'all, y'all think we do this because we enjoy it? We literally go home with stuff in our head, and seeing this should be upsetting to everybody, whether you're on the left or on the right. This should be not be tolerated in our country. He's unconscious. We're about to dig into a border story here, but uh, it, it, it truly is a humanitarian issue down there at the southern border. It's just absolutely disgusting. It's all in the name of the open border economy. Millions to be made in the open border economy. The coyotes, the human traffickers, the hotels, the, the travel industry. all. Yeah, so when they always talk about with the borders, when it comes to the right, you always got to know that the left and the right are making money with this. The right they get the illegals to they'll say oh we don't like illegal immigration but you got them raising your cattle cutting your grass teaching your kids spanish that's what they do okay so both sides like i said they're both the same party all of it making millions hand over fist your taxpayer dollars at the cost of human lives here's an example jorge ventura interviewing a law enforcement agent down at the border talking about all the dead bodies they have coming across in clip three. Deputy Bowles, for the past year and a half, local officials here in Eagle Pass have been trying to raise the alarm on what's going on with the humanitarian crisis. Last time we spoke, Eagle Pass has seen between one to two deaths per day of migrants drowning in the Rio Grande River. It's gotten to a point where you're having to bury migrants here in your own cemetery I mean, what's going to happen if this continues for the next six months? Do you even have space to continue to do this? At the rate we're going right now, Jorge, unfortunately, we're going to have to open up or the county's going to have to open up another plot here in the cemetery at some point, open up another section. Because some days we're receiving one to two uh, persons deceased per day. Sometimes we're receiving eight to ten. And it's gotten to the point where our local mortuaries are no longer taking the deceased and, and keeping them there overnight. Uh, it's gotten to the point where the state has had to provide a refrigerated trailer where we're having to take the deceased to, and they're there from anywhere between about 24 to 72 hours, where we try to make an identification on the person. And at that point, uh, another side, uh, side thing that's happening is our justices of the peace, they're ordering autopsies on, on these uh, unfortunate persons. And the, the, the medical examiners that we use, even Webb County or Bear County, they're starting to kind of turn us away because of the high volume of, of disease that they're having. Um, not just here in Eagle Pass, Maryland County, but up and down the border. And this is a direct result. Many times we're finding if we're lucky, we can identify the person and let their consulate know. And then they can notify their family and let, and let them know that their family member deceased. 
but a lot of times what we're and they can try to make arrangements to try and transport their family member back home but what, what a lot of times we find out is that they don't have the means or they don't have the funds to do that so then the bill is left up to the county to inter the person somewhere which is here in our local county cemetery as you can see here we have a lot of people a lot of the plots are, are labeled john doe uh, john or jane doe unfortunately baby john or baby jane doe these are these are unfortunately the, the people that we cannot identify. So we can't even we don't even know what country of origin they're from, and it goes back to the same thing. We're having to inter them here in our local county cemetery, and at this rate that we're going, we're going to run out of space. Man, that is just is that not heart wrenching? Is that not gut wrenching? And by the way, where's AOC for the photo shoot? Remember, she goes down there and stands in a parking lot in front of a fence, like, oh, the poor the poor illegal immigrants. Oh, hey, AOC, why don't you go to the graveyard? the mass graveyards of all the illegal immigrants that you told to come over here for free stuff and died on the way. You want to go do a Photoshop in front of that? No, I didn't think so. Cause you're a fraud. Now, Bill, all this in the name of votes, <clears throat> all this, all th this is disgusting. This is, this should be, uh, crimes against humanity. But like I said, both sides have to be tried both sides. Melogen tried to catch up with Ayanna Presley on the issue of the unaccompanied minors, and uh, Presley wasn't interested in comment. Here's Bill Melogen in clip 11. 250,000 unaccompanied migrant children arrived at the border since President Biden took office. Some of them traffic, some of them drowning in the river. Any issue with that? Last question. Ma'am, is the border secure? Do you agree with the administration that the border is secure? We'll let you go. Chairman, one question. In your opinion, is the border secure? I have to go give a speech. Did you hear me? I heard you. It's a quick question. Is the border secure? Answers about the border few and far between from some Democrats on Capitol Hill, including the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. I'm Bill Malugin with Fox News. Do you have a few moments to talk about the border real quick? I'm sorry, I don't. A week before this, we sent this email to DHS, notifying them we would be in D.C., and we were requesting an interview with the Secretary. We received no response, so we went to him. A few moments of your time is all we're asking for, and we'll let you go. We now, you tell me, why won't Democrats, Wednesday, even though two weeks ago the White House said that the border is secure? Biden, Pierre, Harris all said the border is secure. So why can't they say, yes, that the border is secure? Because they all know it's a lie. But the story about the unaccompanied minors, folks, this is heartbreaking. This is heartbreaking. No, <laughs> Okay. Four and three years old. And he says that his wife abandoned him and uh, she left him the two kids. He's in, in, in down there, South of America, yo. There's a lot of heartbreaks going on. You know what's really sad those most of these children look like? This isn't just a natural sleep. They are they are out. This is this is not Look at he's just like completely lunched over. Um, so this is what we're telling you. A lot of times these children don't belong to some of these people. Okay. This is human trafficking. They're not even reacting, huh? See how they don't react, their pupils don't even react to no, the bright don't. light in their face. No, these these kids are drugs. Okay, let's get on the niños. Mira, 
guys. This is really a reality. This is actually the United States right now. This is a third world country. This is the United States. And unfortunately, our law enforcement agencies are out here assisting and abetting in the, tra in the child trafficking trade, guys. Absolutely. There's like no way that you can call me a conspiracy theorist. There's no way that you can say that we're making shit up. We're out here, guys, living this day after day. Y'all think we do this because we enjoy it? We literally go home with stuff in our head and seeing this should be upsetting to everybody whether you're on the left or on the right this should be not be tolerated in our country he's unconscious this is the face look at that one over there look at that one right there she's trying to hide him I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. Okay, so let me uh hold on a second. Oh man. Aguero commentary provided as well, and he joins me now. And you know, Anthony, it's um you know, I want to ask you about that experience. That's powerful footage there. And what's so shocking, I think, is much like you, you know, we, we've been down there before. We've seen the unaccompanied minors. Specifically, we've seen them thrown into unmarked vehicles, thrown onto uh, airplanes to be flown across the country unaccompanied, unaccompanied to be shown up with a sponsor that picks them up there. Nobody knows who or what. We've seen them get in, be put into cabs that are fake, fake taxi cabs. And we call the number on the cab, and it's not a real company. We're talking about children. And, and you're out there, and, and you're seeing this, and it's hard because it's kind of dark. So so lay out the scenes there for the audience of what you're seeing. I mean, it appears dozens of children drugged out uh, with with only one parent or mostly with, with young adult men. What is the story here? Right, Owen. So uh, that is actually a video that was shot uh, out in Roma, Texas. Uh, unfortunately, it's something that has been not getting the attention it deserves. We, we've seen a mass, mass increase of children being coming brought across the border like this. And what's happening is with this massive influx comes, comes a criminal element. These grown males that are coming across the border, these single males that are coming with children across the border, are using a, a loophole to be able to pretty much get access into the country and be released immediately. What we're seeing is that some of these kids are being returned back to Mexico to be used and recycled. We've had instances of children being recycled up to 12 times. I've been at the border when little girls have been raped over 13 times by 13 different males before being allowed to cross that river. Uh, when ambulance have had to show, these little, show up and pick up these little girls and Border Patrol, all they can tell me is these children are coming in destroyed. Uh, whatever that means, whatever you can imagine, these little girls came in destroyed with blood everywhere. And so this is a very serious issue, not only in Texas, but also in Arizona. Uh, I've been out in Arizona the last few nights and the last few months out here, and we've seen women come in frantic, crying. Uh, a woman came in stabbed in the arm. Uh, two weeks ago because she put up a fight uh, a 
migrants, some assailants on the other side of the border. People don't understand that when these migrants get to the actual southern border, uh, there is a cushion, so to speak, between the actual physical wall barrier and where the wall and, and where the actual uh, uh, line is between Mexico and the United States of America. In that barrier is a no man zone because nor Mexican authorities nor U.S. Border Patrol are patrolling in that other side of the wall. So there, the, the criminal part of this is there are criminal groups that join up in that area and know that the migrants that are about to arrive have in their pocket the last amount of money that they might have been able to sneak past through all the way from their country to the southern border. They have their valuables that they think that they're going to come into the country with. So that is probably one of the most dangerous areas for these migrants as they get raped and robbed immediately right before entering the country. And these people, I mean, I, I see them night after night out there. I'm literally recording them as they're just walking amongst the migrants out here. I remember it had to be probably four or five years ago now when President Trump at the time had, had mentioned that, uh, I think he said 30% of women that cross the southern border get raped. And then it was CBS, I believe. CBS fact-checked Donald Trump and said, Donald Trump is wrong. It's 60% of women that cross the border get raped. Oh, okay, well, you just gave more fuel to Donald Trump's uh, initiative to stop the illegal immigration, but yet they still don't do it. But when you're looking at those kids and you're down there in the dark of night and they're they're I mean, when you're talking to the adults, like they say, oh, this is my kid. This isn't my kid. I mean, do they even know who, whose kid it is? Is it their free pass to get in? I mean, what's the deal? So my, my work at the border has evolved from just documenting the, the massive influx of people that were that are coming into the country to now just really focusing on the child element of this. Uh, and so when I see these grown men coming in with the children, I press them really hard. And it's 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 it, it makes me angry to see them fumble for the simple answer when I ask them, what's the kid's name? What's the kid's last name? Uh, when, when is the kid's birthday? Wait, was you're telling me you born? just asked basic facts, pulled... basic facts that a parent would know, like what's the kid, how old they can't answer. They don't answer. Absolutely. And and you see some of these guys come and tell, tell us that this is my adoptive child. Uh, this is uh, my, this is my, my, my cousin's kid or whatever frantic excuse. And when you press them hard, they don't even know how to react. And then you start mentioning child trafficking and their eyes perk up. That video that you showed at the beginning of this of this uh, interview, uh, those children, according to some experts that we've been able to talk to and experts that work on the Mexican side of things, tell us that more than likely those kids were under Rohypnol, a.k.a roofies the date the date rape drug is what they're using to give to these children now what better way owen if you're gonna bring a child that's not yours into the country a child that does not know you that has no connection no emotional connection to you what better way than for you to drug a child and bring them across unconscious unless the child warns the border patrol agent that this is not my mom this is not my dad these kids are being fed into the pipeline. For the reason being, you have groups like the ACLU who have sued the Border Patrol Agency and preventing them from doing any kind of DNA test because of the protocol and, and, and the privacy for the migrants. Go figure. 
Well, I want to follow up on the other side of this break, but you can basically get into it with what, what I've experienced from being down there. But, but this is more of the kind of the secondary process where after they get into the country and they go to these charitable centers, how, how much work do you do following up on what happens to the children after they cross the border? So a lot of these kids, what I'm noticing, and, and not just the little infants, but a lot of these unaccompanied minors, which is under the age of 18, uh, these kids are telling me that they're being held inside of warehouses where they are not allowed to leave. So this is a direct pipeline, Owen, of human trafficking. Okay. So uh, I, I've heard enough. Um Damn. So you can't really uh <clears throat> it's 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 so bad. It's really bad and it's it's disgusting. But this is what's going on. This is what's going on in our country and both parties are to blame. There's a lot of blame to go around both parties. And uh the, these men who do these things to these kids, they need to be executed. Period. And send their bodies back to wherever they came from. And don't you ever do that again. But unfortunately, this evil is going to keep on happening. All right. Let's get into this next story about federal judge finding um, gun rule in New York unconstitutional. Let's get into that. portions of New York's new gun law declaring them unconstitutional. This includes the ban on all firearms from Times Square. Fox News Christine Russo joins us there live from there now with more what this ruling really means. Christine. Steve, Teresa, Attorney General Letitia James almost immediately said she would appeal that ruling. In the meantime, though, the current New York state gun laws are still in effect. U.S. federal judge Glenn Sudeby blocked key parts of a New York gun rule Thursday, saying several restrictions were unconstitutional. His ruling reduces the ban on guns in private and public places like Times Square. It prevents the requirement for gun applicants to show their social media accounts. It also rejects gun applicants from having to show good moral character. Legal experts say there's still a lot up in the air. Now all he's doing is he's saying, preliminarily, I find a lot of it to be unconstitutional. That said, if I was going to be a gun purchaser or a gun holder in New York, I would say, let's operate under the laws of the state of New York because they're all still in existence until further notice. New York State Senator Brad Hoyleman, who helped pass gun restrictions in the state this summer, says the judge's ruling defies basic common sense. To me, just as a New Yorker, no matter what your party is, you have reason to be seriously concerned about the proliferation of handguns. Meanwhile, state Republican... 
the criminals are the ones who will have the guns, okay? You tell people these stupid regulations, guess what? You make them targets because the criminals don't care about the gun laws. They're still going to get guns because they're criminals. They operate outside the laws while the law-abiding citizens operate within the law, and you're making them helpless. Leader Rob Ford said the decision is a victory for the constitutional rights of all New Yorkers, adding that it's a false narrative that law-abiding firearm owners are the root of increasing crime in our communities. The plaintiffs in the law... Like I said, this is, a, this is by design. They're trying to bring down the country. Every last, you know... Government official, whether you're left or you're right, they're trying to bring down the country any way they can. Whether it's white supremacy, dividing the ethnic groups, having them at each other's throats, they're trying to make this place the wild, wild west. Gun owners of America. Where they could come in and and then they come in with their government and declare law and order. Also praising the move, saying they're grateful to Judge Sudeby for his quick action to restore the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Right now, it's still unclear when the ruling would move to the appellate court. You're going to see it in piecemeal. This part's going to be okay. This part's going to be unconstitutional. And there's a lot of open questions of what that's going to look like. And that's why I don't think we're just going to be done at the Second Circuit. But ultimately, it's going to end back up in the Supreme Court. Governor Hochul says she is disappointed by the judge's ruling, but she's going to be working with the attorney general on that appeal. We're live in Times Square. Christine. Well, I'm glad that they're uh, <clears throat> the judge has a, you know, at least one New York judge is trying to make, you know, citizens comfortable in New York. So that way. People are not going to think about leaving. And then when they leave, some of them could be business owners and take their business somewhere else, causing employment rates to go up. Because some of these people in New York own business and they help the economy in New York. But they can't hold a business if they don't feel safe. Okay. And I don't understand how after that, you know, blunder of having a gun-free zone, you see a incident where two cars get into an accident and a person comes out with a gun and takes somebody's money. You don't think, well, maybe having a gun-free zone was not good because, you know, bystanders could have been hurt. It's a good thing no bystanders was hurt. Check out that that incident. Um, it's on YouTube where there was a gun-free zone. And then you had this drive-by, and a guy came out of the car and robbed another person. Okay, all that happened in a gun-free zone. That tells you about these stupid gun-free zone laws. It doesn't work. Let's get into this story right here. This story's weird. Like I said, it's just really weird. ...of a group of people dressed in neon green bodysuits, attacking and robbing two teenage girls on the subway. All right, it happened at the Times Square subway stop over the weekend, and the suspects are still on the loose. Fox 5's Ashley Rodriguez joins us live from Times Square with more on this now viral incident. Ashley. 
Yeah, I spoke to people today on the subway who believe violence is definitely getting worse on the subways. They say they're not just hearing about it or watching it on the news. They're actually experiencing it for themselves. And early Sunday morning at the station behind me, what they thought was a fun group of cosplaying aliens ended up being an angry mob. En masse, this group of neon green spandex wearing women just like flooded the car. I spoke to the woman behind this cell phone video shot around 2 a.m. Sunday morning inside the N train at 42nd in Times Square. These two poor girls were like having to take on like 10 women and it led into the car and no one really knew what was going on. This incident, the latest in a rash of violent attacks inside trains and around stations, caught on camera. A week ago, the NYPD arrested 41-year-old Wahid Foster for brutally beating a woman inside the Howard Beach JFK Airport station after she ignored his attempts to start a conversation, leaving her bruised, bleeding, and suffering a severe eye injury. Do you think that the, the violence is getting worse? Yes, it is. It's getting worse and worse every day. I showed the writer this. This is why, um, and what New Yorkers need to start carrying guns. They need to have the right to carry. This is out of control. Latest attack, like a scene out of Gotham City. Oh my God! What are the things that we're doing to? to take care of something like this? What are the measures that we're putting in place? Back in February, Mayor Eric Adams and Commissioner Sewell promised to deploy more officers to patrol the subway system, both on trains and platforms, as a part of the subway safety plan. But subway riders with no other transportation options aren't seeing results from the city's commitment to keep them safe. It was also really horrible because no one knew what was going on, and so it was so chaotic and no one went in to help. Yeah, becoming that back to back in the early 90s The victims of this attack were not severely hurt. No doubt they are probably very shaken up, though. And if it's any consolation for subway riders, during the month of October, they will now hear the police commissioner's voice in the trains reminding them that officers are working 24-7 to keep them safe. That doesn't do anything. That that What's that going to do? You know what's the sad thing will happen is when you hear that and someone's getting someone is going to be harmed. You're going to hear that and someone's going to be harmed. Put more cops on the truck on the subway trains. That's it. And control and control how many people are in that car. Put a max, put an occupancy limit. Okay, you can only have a certain amount of people. It can't be filled like a can of sardines. No more. Don't do that. Have the cops there. They regulate how many people could be on the in the train car, and that's it. All right. That's what they need to start doing. Hearing the mayor's voice, whoever's voice is not going to help. Have some police presence in those train cars. That's it. That's all that's going to make things better. As Ramil once sang, once said, Ramil, he said this, 304s are winning. 
but not in a good way. Not in a good way. They're taking over, and uh, it's not good. It is not good. Let's hear what's going on in Oakland. Oakland, where a neighborhood plagued with sex trafficking demands an end to the problem from those looking to become the city's next mayor. About 300 people attended the San Antonio Neighborhood Safety Action Forum to see how mayoral candidates plan to stop prostitution on East 15th Street. KBXY's Dahlin talks to neighbors about that ongoing issue. I lived on East 15th for a long time. It used to be a very quiet street, but after the city reconfigurated International Boulevard, also known as East 14th, that pushed the sex workers a block over to this working class neighborhood. Every day, families are greeted with girls stopping traffic and soliciting customers. As Stephanie Zarate pushes her stroller past the sex workers on a daily basis. Some girls in bikinis, others in see-through tops. I think that's appropriate, but I mean, we can't really do much as, uh, towards them. She says this type of behavior has become normal on East 15th. She worries for her two young kids. I'm scared for them to see them in that appropriate pose, asking me questions on COVID and not having an answer to them. The sex workers are so comfortable in the San Antonio neighborhood, they have no problem standing behind our interview, waiting for jobs. Yeah, I mean, they don't mind whoever is there. They don't, they care less nowadays. Sad. That was why her family came to this mayoral candidate event, not only to lessen, but also demand a stop to the problem. It shouldn't be introduced at the age of four years old that you're going down the street and you're seeing women dressed like this. You're hearing gunshots. You need to like learn. Oh, like if you hear a gunshot, like duck down. Families say they're also fed up with homeless encampments and the gun violence. The Oakland is not a dumping ground, people. The Oakland is not a place that you come to you know do anywhere else. And the Oakland, we're going to enforce the law for people come to that Oakland. On the council, I'm the only one up here today that voted against defunding the police and making sure that we did not take away. were trying to win votes, the sex workers stood a block away. Many neighbors want to close East 15th Street to non-resident car traffic. They want cops to go after pimps and johns and resources to help sex workers to get away from this line of work. Why here? Why are our community not somewhere else? Unfortunately, um, Oakland, California, uh, Gavin Newsom is going to fight this. He's going to fight this and you're going to have feminists fight this. And I hate to say it, but this is what women ask for. Women didn't know what they were asking for when they asked for feminism. All right. Feminism sprouted, you know, um, single motherhood, teen pregnancy, rising out of wedlock births, the alphabet mafia, transformer mafia. Okay. This is what happened. Okay. And this is what women, yeah, I don't blame all of you. I'm just saying the fact those who are staunch for feminism, this is what, this is what came out of it. Well, why, why exactly Oakland only? You know, why do Oakland let people do things like that? I moved down because I didn't want to raise a family in this environment. But a lot of neighbors tell me they can't afford to move. So their only hope is that city leaders will stop this problem. In Oakland. I'm Dahlin, KPI. 
I'm sorry, but you can't, if you can't move anywhere, okay, you're going to have to band together and you're going to have to come up with some uh, ways to fight this. And in a way, you can't really, I'm, people are going to try to look at me as a simp, but you, you have to look at it this way, okay? Both of you all, the sex workers and you family owners, okay, both of you want to live, okay? When I say that, both of you want to make an income. All right. So there has to be a meeting of the minds. There has to be. All right. What serves? Why did you go into sex work? Let me hear your story. Okay. I'll if you're a business owner, I I know this is going to sound crazy. This is going to sound weird. I will hire you, but you have to drop sex work. And if I catch you on this block, I will fire you. I'm willing to give you a job as a waitress. You know, you'll be respectable. Anybody tries to act stupid, well, I'll kick them out of my establishment. I'll give you a job working in a movie theater. You know, anything but doing this. Okay? I'll try to get you two jobs. You know, find a way to work to get them out of this life. Okay? And preferably without the help of government assistance, without the help of any mainstream left-wing organization. That is the only way. All right? If you could get churches involved, that would be great. Maybe that you got to think, you know, how could I get these people off this? Because I have kids here. They have kids. So I have to work. We both want to make money, but we have to do it in the right way. How to win them to your side. You know, this is what I'm talking about here. All right. All right. Next story. Hold on a minute. And when I said with, uh, when I opened up with Trina and um, Saucy Santana working for white supremacy, um, that's what most of these entertainers are doing. Okay. They really are working for white supremacy. And I will show you more of them. I will show you more of them. Let's get into this story right here. It's like slavery never left, man. Slavery never really left. So also signed the rap lyrics bill. This bans prosecutors from using an artist's lyrics and music videos against them in court unless they can prove it directly is relevant to the case. Governor Newsom was joined online by several musical artists, including Tyga and Meek Mill. California is the first state to ensure creative content. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Yet also signed the rap lyrics bill. This bans prosecutors from using an artist's lyrics and music videos against them in court unless they can prove it directly is relevant to the case. Governor Newsom was joined online by several musical artists, including Tyga and Meek Mill. California is the first state to ensure creative content. Just wanted you to hear that again. Like I said, man, they're all working together. To bring down America. All right. That's what they're doing. And they get their black slaves to do it. Their black underlings to do the job. That's what they're doing. And it's it's sad. How things going on like this. 
All right. California Governor Gavin Newsom signs bill limiting the use of rap lyrics as evidence in court. California Governor Gavin Newsom has signed a landmark bill into law restricting the use of rap lyrics as evidence in court. The move made Friday makes California the first state to have such a law. California is the first state to ensure creative content like lyrics and music videos can't be used against artists in court without judicial review. The Office of Newsom, a Democrat, tweeted Friday, a handful of rap musicians, including Meek Mill, Tida, Ty Dollar, Sign, Too Short, Killer Mike, and Recording Academy CEO Harvey Mason Jr. are pictured in the photo below the tweet in the Zoom call when Newsom signed the bill. I think, you know, blacks with sense, they need to boycott Meek Mill, boycott Tigger, boycott Ty Dollar Sign, boycott Too Short. I don't, I don't think he's in the game anymore. Boycott Killer Mike, any businesses he have, food, whatever. Don't go to his restaurants. Don't go to his um, clubs. Whatever business he has, don't put your money into it. And recording Academy CEO Harvey Mason Jr. Boycott with anything he has too. Because these are sellouts. They want to talk about sellouts and house Negroes. These are the biggest sellouts and house Negroes. These are the biggest Sambos. Okay? Boycott them all. The second time I witnessed the governor sign, the governor of California sign bills that help our people. It doesn't help your people. You're not the ones having to bury loved ones in Florida. Okay? In Atlanta. You're not the ones having to bury loved ones due to being victims of gang violence. Probation caps and bans on using rap lyrics in court. I respect you. Thank you. I understand the magnitude of the moves you make. We need help in the system. Mill posted on Twitter. Another buck dancing slave. Introduced as a bill by Democratic State Assembly member Reggie Jones Sawyer of Los Angeles, the law now requires judges to balance the value of evidence with unique prejudice and racial bias possible when the evidence is presented to a jury. Assembly Bill 2799 unanimously passed the legislature in late August. The law requires a court in criminal proceedings where a party seeks to admit as evidence as a form of creative expression to consider specific factors when balancing the probative value of that evidence against the substantial danger of undue prejudice. The new law forces prosecutors who want to use rap lyrics or any other form of creative expression to hold a pretrial hearing away from the jury to prove that the lyrics or artistic expression are relevant to the case. This is disgusting, man. This is so disgusting. Every last one of these people here are sellouts. Every last one. They are sellouts. Renewed attention after Young Thug's indictment, Eric Nielsen and Andrea Dennis, authors of Rap on Trial, Race, Lyrics, and Guilt in America, argued rap music is the only fictional musical genre used this way because its primary producers are young black men who the criminal justice system happens to target. Listen, you rap artists are rapping about murder in your songs, rapping about killing people in your songs, literally talking about the people you kill, all right? This is not about art, okay? This is about justice, and you guys are getting in the way of that, in the way of people's 
um, the loved ones who've lost family members to gang violence. You're getting in the way of that. In the book, the authors wrote, rap lyrics are vulnerable to being perceived as self-incriminating to law enforcement because of trends in first-person narration and focuses on criminal themes and violent imagery. Calls for the music industry for legislation addressing the use of lyrics in criminal cases have grown in the wake of the racketeer influence and corruption organization's indictment of Grammy Award-winning rapper Young Thug in Georgia. Earlier this year, multiple of multiple outlets previously reported some of Young Thug's songs lyrics were used as evidence in his indictment, some of which it constitute racketeering. It's pathetic, man. It's absolutely pathetic what's going on here. It really is. And it's sad that you will have black people who think this is perfectly fine. This is okay until their loved ones are murdered and they know who did it, but they can't um, use the lyrics because it's been blocked by Gavin Newsom's new law and black men, degenerate liberal black men have made it possible to make rappers get away with literal murder and crime. But what do you all think? Okay, this is the end of my stream. Anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box. I hope you guys have been informed and you can talk to me about this channel what you've learned. If any stories you want me to cover, my email is in the description box later. Like, share, comment, subscribe.